Welcome to the Sterling Foursquare Church Podcast. Our mission is to offer hope for the broken, lives that are thriving, the equipping of believers, and the launching of leaders. More info can be found at sterlingfoursquare.com. Thank you for joining us today. We're going to be closing out our Christmas series this morning. We've been talking about what it looks like to have Emmanuel, God with us, that God comes to live among us. He demonstrates that in the person of Christ, the presence of His Spirit. That's always been His intention, is to connect with you and I and to journey with us, to participate with us in the life that He's designed for us. And we're going to be focusing our attention, closing out that series this morning. 22 years ago, in 1999, uh, I graduated from Bible college and went into full-time ministry. I was about 23 years old at the time. Uh, I was much younger, had more hair, and was in better shape for sure, uh, but was ready for the adventure of ministry and jumped right in and became the high school pastor at a prominent church in Southern California. And things were going really well. We were having different events, uh, large gatherings of youth, and oftentimes we would do those things into the evening. But behind our church property was a condominium complex, and there was one lady in particular who was not as excited about youth ministry as I was. And one evening we were having a youth event at the church. We weren't even outside. We were inside in our gymnasium, but there was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of noise. There was a lot of excitement going on. Uh, and this lady uh, just kind of shows up out of nowhere. And you can tell when somebody shows up to whatever you're doing where they're not excited about what you're doing. And she had kind of that stomp, that look, and that gait to her walk. And I could tell right away that she was somebody that was going to have to be uh, spoken with. And so I went and kind of headed her off before she started talking to any of my leaders. Uh, and I just said, hey, can I help you? And, and she began to give me a list of grievances uh, of what was going on and how we could fix all of that by just sending all of these kids home. And so I just kind of politely uh, brought her attention to that. We were kind of on our property and we were in our own building and uh, it, there wasn't a city curfew. Like there really wasn't anything that she could do about that. And so I, as politely as I could, let her know that we were just going to continue doing what we were doing and she was going to have to get over it in some regards. And so she looked at me uh, and she said what I was kind of hoping that she would. She said, let me talk to who's in charge. Uh, and maybe you've been in that place. Maybe you've kind of been in, in that place of being just kind of uh, upset or frustrated with what was taking place and you wanted to go to the next level. Uh, and there was just a grin on my, pl- uh, uh, on my face as I responded to her Uh, with the words, that would be me. Uh, And I don't think that I have ever in all of my life seen someone with a more disappointed look on their face than that woman. And she just kind of made an about face and stomped away, and that was the end of it. Uh, But I got to answer that question of who's in charge here uh, with me, and that's always kind of a a great way for us to think or to feel, uh, to be the one who has Uh, maybe the power of responsibility. And so just for a moment, you know, let's just kind of take a litmus test of where you are. Look around your home. Maybe you're with your family. Maybe you're with your friends. Uh, Maybe you're with your pets. Uh, 
But ask this question, hey, who's in charge here? And uh, just kind of see how that goes for you. If, if you're with your family, if you're a young family, dad's probably got his thumbs up like this. Mom's rolling her eyes because she knows that that's not true, right? If you've got a kid that's younger than two, they don't know they're in charge, but they are definitely in charge of your life. Uh, and if you've got a cat, it's probably perched somewhere just kind of yawning in amusement at the deliberation taking place because they know that they own all of you. Uh, and if, it, if it's anything like our house, really the person who's in charge is the one who is holding the golden scepter, also known as the remote. Uh, but we're going to be talking about uh, really authority. We're going to be talking about rulership. We're going to be talking about kingship this morning. As we've been going through our series, Among Us, as we've been talking about Emmanuel, God with us, uh, we've been covering all the stuff uh, that would be traditionally what we would be looking at with Jesus. We've been talking about the hope of the world, uh, right? We've been talking about peace on earth. We've been talking about joy to the world. We've looked at all of those. But Jesus also came to be king. He came to rule and he came to reign to be the king among us. And that's what we're going to turn our attention to this morning, Jesus came to usher in the kingdom of God, and in doing so, he is the king among us. And the question for all of us is, will we receive him as king? If you got your Bibles, go ahead and get those out. Lord, we ask that you would give us soft hearts to hear from your word today, Lord, that we would have eager hearts to receive from you. Uh, Lord, that we would have humble hearts to honor you and give you your proper place. Lord, we thank you for your word and the truth that's found in it, the life that it is to us when we apply it to the way that we live. In Jesus' name, amen. With your Bibles, you can go ahead and go uh, to Matthew chapter 2, and this uh, question of kingship, this question of who's in charge, this, uh, uh, this focus on, on uh, really who is the king is going to be kind of uh, one of the central questions of the passage that we're going to be looking at. We're only going to look at a few verses today, but as a family or maybe on your own, if you haven't done this already, I would encourage you to gather around God's Word and read Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2. And read Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2. Those, uh, most of the traditional uh, Christmas narratives are going to be found in those places, but uh, it's a great uh, way to worship. It's a great way to spend some time as a family, so I would encourage you to do that. But as we turn our attention to Matthew chapter 2, we're going to focus on a few verses this morning. And we're going to start in verse 1 and 2, and it says this. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. Maybe if you've got your Bible open, if you uh, uh, like to highlight, or if you kind of like to circle or draw attention, just kind of highlight or set aside those two verses, and then move on with me to verse 8. Speaking of Herod and the way that he responded after a time of deliberation, we will touch on that. It says this, it says, He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. And we know that to be something that would be a, a disingenuous statement from him, if you're familiar with the story. But let, uh, uh, putting that aside, he did send them in the right direction, hoping to find really where uh, Jesus would be. And then in verse 11, if you move to kind of the last part of their discovery, it says that on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, 
and they bowed down and worshiped him. And on the heels of that submission and that uh, posture of worship, they end up opening their gifts and their treasures and presenting those to him. The central theme of that short narrative is worship. The central theme is worship. And the central question that is being discovered or is being answered is who is king? The magi or the wise men, as they're often referred to, they show up and they make this kind of unannounced uh, arrival, and then they have this statement, hey, there's a new king, we know that he's supposed to be somewhere around here, and we've come to worship. And they bring that to the attention of the actual king at the time, right? So you've got all kinds of kind of some potential difficulties and some conflict that kind of uh, arising out of that, some rivalry for sure. That would be some, something coming to the surface. And Herod was somebody who was particularly unstable as a ruler. You can do kind of some of your own research on that. But he, he was not a, a stable person uh, in uh, mind or character. And we see that even in this narrative. But the central theme of this is worship. Who is going to be worshipped? And often, just as important, the question, who will offer worship? And then again, the question that is being asked is, who is king? And this, this question uh, of authority, this question of rulership, this question of kingship uh, is something that's really, really important. And as you kind of wrestle out even what happens in the story, maybe you read the rest of it on your own, but the magi, the wise men, are put into a position where what is challenged is their allegiance, uh, their allegiance to Herod or their allegiance to this new king who they have sought out, sought out uh, after journeying from a, a, a very long distance. And as you see demonstrated in them, they um, give their allegiance to Jesus. And this question of allegiance, it's, it's a really important one because you and I have an opportunity to align with all kinds of kingdoms really in the way that life is lived. And there's kind of three distinct categories that we can think about. There's the kingdoms of this world, uh, the systems, the values, the, the ways of the world, uh, so to speak. And, and we can slide into alignment with those, and we can see our life and the trajectory of our life influenced uh, as a result of that. Uh, we can um, embrace the kingdom of me. Uh, that's one that's easy for us, and we're usually pretty big fans of that because I get to sit on the throne, and I am the focus of all of the attention, but Scripture would say that when that is our central focus, um, that it is a place of folly. In fact, the book of Proverbs talks a lot about what it looks like to displace God and put ourselves in that prominent position. But then there is what is referred to in Scripture as the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And if you would remember when Jesus came and he began to speak, that was his announcement. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of God is now. That the rule and reign and the participation of life with God is available now. And everything hinges and changes on that. And so there's these different kingdoms that are vying for our attention and for our allegiance. And they, they influence the way that we live our lives and the trajectory that we go in and what we focus on and where we align our allegiance is something that is demonstrated in who we respond to and how we do that. 
when Beth and I were newly married, uh, I had a dog named Thatcher, and he had been my faithful companion for a few years already. Um, he had been uh, a dog that lacked confidence, didn't really understand the power that he had, and we were both kind of misfits uh, when we uh, ended up together. And, and so we, we were pretty close-knit. We were tight-knit. And then all of a sudden, right, I've, I'm married. Uh, I've got a, a new allegiance. And certainly, uh, Beth had a higher place in my esteem than my dog. Don't worry. Like, I, I knew how to get that right. But I remember uh, so vividly some of the challenges for his allegiance in our household. And in particular, there were times where Beth would be correcting him or trying to direct him or to uh, uh, kind of shape his behavior. And she would give him a command, and he would stop. And instead of responding right away, he would turn his head, and he would look at me, and he would wait for me to nod. And if I nodded, then he would do what she had asked him to do. And if I went like this, then he would not, he would not do it. And now I loved that. She doesn't particularly care about that point in our life or, or really uh, uh, revel in the storytelling of it, um, mostly because it makes me feel really good about myself. But what is demonstrated there is allegiance. What you respond to and how you respond. And very clearly in my home, my dog was my dog. And his wholehearted allegiance was mine. And the question for you and I is, who has your wholehearted allegiance? Uh, Beyond uh, the love for your pet or the love for your spouse, is your heart aligned in allegiance to the Lord? Is the ultimate reserve of your adoration primarily for Him? Or... Is it kind of split? And do we respond to uh, different, uh, different things and respond in different ways? The question this morning of who is king, each one of us have to answer for ourselves. Now, certainly Jesus is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords, undisputed, undisputed. And scripture tells us that at the end of all things, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. There will be no doubt who has the rule and the authority. But for you and I, in the way that we live our lives, in the way that we interact with people, in the direction that we go, in the decisions that we make, this becomes a primary, primary question that we have to resolve. And if we want to be people who experience the presence of Jesus in a way where he is King Jesus, we're not just through the series as it's been hope among us and peace among us and joy among us, but the King among us. We have to receive him in that way. And so I want to give you three brief thoughts very quickly about how we can receive him as our king. And we're going to look back at the way that the magi or the wise men approached him for these, uh, for these hints. The first one uh, you can find in verse 1 and 2, and it's this, you have to become aware. You have to become aware of who Jesus is and who he is to be in our lives. When you look at the narrative as they came and they announced their arrival to Herod, they said, we saw his star when it rose. There was something that they recognized, that they understood when they saw that star. Certainly, everyone else would have been able to see the star in the sky, right? There, there would have been others that could have looked upon the night sky and said, wow, that's interesting, or maybe not have even seen it at all. It would have just been a wash in all of the other starry hosts. But these men recognized 
They were aware, and they knew that there was something significant about that. And if you study kind of who they are, and and there's a, a lot of speculation, but certainly they were learned. Certainly they were people of influence. They were attentive. They were expectant. They were looking for, they were pursuing, they were awaiting a move of God. And so many of us really have misaligned allegiance in our lives at times because we're not actually expecting God to show up or to do anything uh, of, of spectacular importance in our lives. We see him as almost passive or distant uh, or maybe even negligent where we would be disappointed in maybe the way that our lives have been going. But these men became aware. They were purposed, they were studied, they were learning. And really what you have is you have a posture of leaning in, a posture of discovery, When Jesus would speak about those who would understand his words later on, he would often say, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has the eyes to see, let him see. It was a descriptor of a heart that was soft and open to receive the revelation of God's word, to receive with understanding the truth of God. And you see that demonstrated in these wise men. And for you and I, if we're going to receive Jesus as king, if this is going to impact not just our eternity through salvation, but our daily activity, then there has to be eyes to see and ears to hear as he would move in and about our lives and invite us into the things that he's planned and purposed for us. And if that is uh, maybe a step that you are struggling with, I would, just, I would just encourage you, pray for the Lord to soften your heart. Just ask the Lord to soften your heart. Maybe even in this moment, maybe as a family, you've recognized this as a theme or a trend. Address it right now. Just ask the Lord to soften your heart. But the second thing that you see them do is they didn't just become aware of a truth or this uh, uh, phenomena in a sense. They took action. They moved in response to it. They made the journey, right? We saw his star when it rose and we have come to worship him. Right? They, 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 put, they put it into action. They put their feet one step in front of another. They were moving forward. And there were many people during the time of Christ who were aware of him as a rabbi or as a teacher or maybe a, a, a prophet or at least somebody who was of celebrity status. But Jesus didn't just say, hey, be aware of me. He would say, come and follow me. Right? Take steps. Move forward. Let's go. There's a journey to move into with him. Follow me. Journey with Jesus. As you follow him, he leads you into the plans and the purposes that God has for you. You know, maybe you've been aware that God has been uh, prompting you. Maybe you've been aware of kind of the picture and revelation of Jesus knocking at your heart, but you haven't taken a step. You haven't moved forward. Maybe it's time for you to act, put it into action. Jesus says this, that if you seek, you will find. If you knock, that the door will be opened, that if you ask that you're going to be answered, you, you see this over and over. And so there is a response. There's a prompting of us to respond to the invitation that he gives to us. And so we've got to become aware, but then we have to take action. But then the third thing, and this is really where kind of the primary allegiance question comes into play. Will we offer him our adoration? Will we offer him our adoration? When you look at the way that the Magi responded, they had said, we have come to worship him. And then as you kind of see the story progress, they bowed down and worshiped him. 
And there's all kinds of ideas about whether they recognized the divinity of Christ or whether they were just giving him honor and paying homage that you would to anybody in a place of influence, in a place of kind of royal uh, position. And, and it really doesn't matter uh, how much insight they had. They knew enough to respond. They knew enough to respond. And they made an offering of themselves as they bowed down before him. They made an offering of their time, certainly as they journeyed from far, far off. They made an offering of, of their treasures as they gave of their resources and they gave of their gifts. And a question for you and I, if, if we've moved past the idea of just being aware of who Christ is, is we have made a decision to follow. Now will we offer him our adoration? Will we offer him our worship? And a question to follow that up is, uh, how can you express your adoration? How, how could you do that? We did that a little bit this morning as we worshiped together. Maybe you took some time before you even uh, joined for service and, and you prayed maybe alone or pr maybe prayed with your family. There's a number of different ways that we can um, take time out and we can offer uh, uh, worship, that we can offer adoration. But ultimately, you know in the genuineness of your heart whether or not that is being offered. We had a really um, tender moment uh, with our youngest son last night, and he'd been waiting for this. Um, they had done a number of crafts and a number of activities at school through Christmas, kind of closing it out. And he came home with a paper bag, and it was full of ornaments. It was Christmas ornaments that he had made, ones that were very specific, specific ornaments. This one's for dad. This one's for mom. This one's for you guys together. This one's mine, and I get to put that one on, but they, they had been something that he had put his, his effort into, he had made with his own hands, and he was really excited, and we had to keep putting off uh, whether or not we were going to put those on the tree, and he was like, hey, Dad, we need this, and no, we're busy, like we're running and gunning just like everybody else. But then we uh, had some time, and we really made some time, and he came into the living room, and he opened his bag, and he began to hand out the ornaments. And we put them on the tree and we made a, a great bit, uh, a amount of fanfare uh, about them. Celebrated them and um, received them. But really it was just Christmas ornaments that your kid made at school. And so there's that kind of that, kind of that thought to it. But it wasn't until later when I was sitting on the couch and he came and he sat next to me and he pulled himself close to me and he said, Dad, tonight was a really special moment. Tonight was a really special moment because you guys got to receive the ornaments that I made for you, and I got to watch you put them on the tree. I wasn't even aware it was such a special moment. He had to bring me into the loop. But he had put his heart, he had put his adoration, he had put his effort, he had put his hands into not just crafting this offering, but inviting us to enjoy it with him. And for you and I, we can take that same posture with the Lord. We can come and we can offer the fruit of our heart. And we can offer uh, the, uh, uh, really the results of our handiwork. We can give him all that we have. And we can craft our own special moments with the Lord. And as we close this morning, the worship team's going to come forward, and we're going to do that. We're going to take a special moment. We're going to craft a special moment together to offer ourselves, to offer our hearts, 
maybe you want to stand at home to do this. Maybe you want to put your hands out in front of you. Uh, maybe you want to stay uh, comfortable on your couch in your pajamas. That's okay as well. But to ready our hearts, we have to be aware of who Jesus is, aware of his presence. Maybe that's a start for you. We've got to be willing to take action. Maybe the Lord's calling you to, to move, to do, to put one step in front of the other, to follow him. Or maybe this is a moment where you need to offer your adoration, your heartfelt worship and praise, that you need to align your allegiance with him as not just your savior, but your Lord, your king, and to put him back in that rightful place. One of my favorite Christmas songs is Joy to the World, uh, and I'll spare you a serenade of singing it a cappella for you, but I do want to call your attention to the words as it begins to offer this declaration of joy. It lets us know that the Lord has come, that the King is among us. Let earth receive her king. And then it gets personal. Let every heart prepare him room. Let every heart prepare him room. Jesus has come as king among us. And as king, he brings hope and he brings peace and he brings joy. He brings salvation. There are all of these things that come as a benefit of living under his rulership, of being a citizen of his kingdom, but make no mistake, he is king. Will you prepare your heart to receive him in that way? Lord, we offer our hearts to you. Lord, maybe some of us for the first time. Lord, maybe some of us have operated for the whole of our lives in the kingdom of me. We've been the center. We've called the shots. We've done everything in our own strength. We've been self-reliant and self-centered. Lord, but we would put you in your rightful place today. Lord, maybe some hearts have been bound in the kingdoms of this world. Lord, they, they have longed for freedom, and today they're crying out and receiving that from you. Lord, maybe some hearts have kind of toggled back and forth. Lord, there is a desire in us to honor you. But it's so easy to slide into the old ruts of the way that we've lived. So we pause, we take a moment, and we offer our hearts to you, Lord. We offer our adoration. We say this is a special moment. And we acknowledge you, King Jesus. We praise you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. That you are hope with us. That you are peace among us. That you are joy among us. But Lord, we acknowledge that you are also king. And we place you on your rightful place. Lord, we pray that as we go into this new year, that it would be a year of your kingdom come, a year of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close this morning, we'll worship together with one last song. And let's invite the Holy Spirit's presence as we move forward.